Hey, this is Adrian Hernandez, and welcome to the NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. We're here to give you some extra time with our speaker and ask some of the tough and interesting questions you want to hear most. If you haven't already, we hope you'll watch the full Grand Rounds webinar recording to learn more. All of our Grand Rounds content can be found at rethinkingclinicaltrials.org. Thanks for joining. Hello, this is Robin Boyner from the National Centers of Complementary and Integrative Health. I'm the moderator for today's podcast. Uh, today we're here with David Chambers, Leslie Curtis, Emily O'Brien, Wendy Weber, and Kanisha Zimmerman, who will be reflecting on the Grand Rounds Diversity Workshop Series, Inclusion of Diverse Participants in Pragmatic Clinical Trials. This is the sixth in a series. Our last two years uh, have been a remote, and so we held this as a series of talks over the summer on this topic. And we're going to start today with Kanisha Zimmerman, who was the moderator for our keynote uh, speaker, Clyde Gancy, who I know well as a heart failure clinical trialist, but he's also the vice dean for diversity and inclusion at Northwestern University. So, Kanisha, what were the key points you heard from his presentation to, uh, on, at the beginning of this session in May? Dr. Yancey really set the stage for us. He provided the landscape of how currently, how current clinical trials are, are running. He reminded us that most of the clinical trials are actually taking place in the U.S., but they do not represent the population here in the United States. He reminded us that over cardiovascular diseases, oncology, psychiatry, and many others, African Americans in particular have been disproportionately underrepresented in clinical trials. This is a problem. Uh, we've seen it in the setting of COVID-19 and the disparities that have existed there. We've seen it in um, outcomes related to other cardiovascular diseases as well. This is a problem because our clinical trials don't reflect the people for whom the drugs and devices are actually made and may eventually lead to poor outcomes. Dr. Yancey, however, provided a pathway forward. He talked about uh, potential options, specific solutions, including um, policy changes, dedication to uh, making sure that clinical trial teams are representative, building the pipeline, educating the public, and accountability. He did a very nice job, uh, Kanisha, of, of setting up this series, why it's important that we think about this, and, and uh, particularly what we're talking about with this series is pragmatic clinical trials. So, Wendy, uh, you were the moderator for the planning for diversity, stakeholder engagement, and site selection to maximize diversity. Uh, and you had a number of investigators that are doing research in this area and have a lot of experience uh, with developing relationships with healthcare systems. What were the take home messages that you heard that you'd like to share today? Thanks, Robin. Um, I thought it was just a really excellent session. I mean, both of um, our sets of speakers, we had not only the principal investigator, but also their partner on their trial who helped them with sort of the community outreach activities that they were doing and the partnerships that were built with the clinics that they used. Um, both of the groups were working with federally qualified health systems um, in different regions of the country. And you know, I think one of the things that was really interesting is they knew so much about the healthcare systems going into their trials 
because they'd had a long-term relationship already with these healthcare systems and with the clinics that they were working with. And in reality, both of the projects came out of needs from the clinics themselves. Um, specific areas where the clinics felt like they needed help to improve care for patients, and then their partners were looking for researchers who could actually address those needs. So I think it was just a really wonderful sort of set of presentations to talk about how do you build those relationships, how do you stay with and continue to work with those community clinics, and really have them involved as partners truly in, in the research. And that long-term um, you know, relationship that they've built has built trust. And as we keep hearing uh, time and time again, is that takes time. And so I think both of those uh, trials are just excellent examples that, that the community can take a listen to. Thank you, Wendy. I, I, I really like that you hit on the highlight of creating these relationships leads to trust because uh, he had made the point during this discussion that it's difficult to to teach trust, um, but there are, there are a number of steps you can do that can lead to trust. And, and if you want to hear more about what, what they're doing, please listen to that uh, June 4th podcast. I'm going to move next to Emily O'Brien, who was the moderator for Meeting Participants Where They Are, Outreach, Trust, and Consent to Maximize Diversity. So Emily, you had uh, several speakers. Uh, one was uh, Jonathan Jackson who talked about the need for equity, not just equality, and that healthcare systems are often hopelessly segregated, as well as Stacey Sterling, who is uh, uh, working on bringing in a uh, Spanish language cohort and, and doing it in a broader than uh, typical way. So Emily, what were your take home messages? Yeah, I, I thought the session was a really nice balance between these sort of theoretical motivations that we often hear, you know, why we need to achieve health equity um, and sort of philosophically why it's so important. And then some real world examples of how that theory is put into practice. And I thought the investigators were very candid about some of the challenges that they experienced along the way. I thought one of the points that Dr. Jackson brought up was really critical that every organization that we work with in the setting of a PCT is inherently complex. And if we're trying to understand that complexity, nothing beats being on the ground, talking to people and going through the workflow or of an organization step by step. And that, you know, we're not alone as scientists or clinicians in doing this, that the field of implementation science is really there to help us think about these factors in ways that can inform our design and make sure that it's implemented in, in the most efficient and, and effective way. The, the other piece that I thought Dr. Sterling really nicely highlighted was the importance of adaptation and flexibility. This concept that it's, it's not just about translation, uh, linguistic adaptation, um, but that going beyond that and thinking about how a study might be most effectively done within various cultural settings um, and, and making appropriate adaptations to reflect that diversity can really result in a, a study that is more well-received and uh, in a better position to accomplish its objectives. So it was nice to see that demonstrated through her overview of the Guiding Good Choices program, which was also interesting because it incorporated the viewpoints of several different generations, which is, a, I think, a, a nice reminder of, of why, you know, a singular concept of, of diversity 
um, can uh, often be broadened um, to other other facets that, that can be important to consider as well. Thank you. And I love that you're leading us uh, into the next uh, topic where you, because you talked about the importance of engagement of community. And I think that's something um, that we'll hear David Chambers talk about. So David uh, led the, moderated the topic, Maximizing Diversity in PCTs. What can we learn from implementation trials? So David, um, we had two speakers, uh, Anne Midbo from the VA and Anne Trontel from PCORI. Uh, what stood out about their discussions on how we can increase diversity in pragmatic trials? What, what have we learned from implementation trials? So thanks, Robin, for that. There was a, the expertise was definitely both from implementation trials and broader uh, with Anne Trontel uh, from lessons learned in comparative effectiveness research. Uh, and the first thing was really thinking about the design of our trials to ensure that there's a active concentration on diversity. So we discussed and, and were, uh, were benefited from the presentation of a number of different tools, whether it's the PRACI2 tool or uh, various tools that have been amassed around uh, helpful engagement. Uh, engagement, not just early on, but continual engagement of key stakeholders throughout the life of the project uh, and a true investment in those partnerships was seen uh, as a, a really important factor toward trying to maximize diversity. Uh, the speakers spoke about tailoring outreach and communication efforts to the key partners within the trial. Uh, and one other key lesson that popped out was the use of available data to try and drive uh, the way in which the trial is conducted. So Dr. Midbo talked a lot about the use of administrative data to identify places where we can try to improve equity. Uh, and Dr. T uh, Trontel also spoke about research on underlying social determinants of health that would also define uh, efforts to improve equity and health outcomes and well-being. Thank you, David. And then we'll move to the last uh, moderator uh, talking with us today, Leslie Curtis. She led the diversity and uh, pragmatic clinical trial ecosystem. How do we develop a pipeline of diverse investigators and leaders in PCTs. And so, Leslie, you had three uh, uh, speakers that came from very different perspectives. Uh, can you pull, pull together what they, uh, they reported that is going to be valuable to this, uh, these listeners we have here today? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Robin. So, you know, Dr. Bernard really set the stage by reminding us of the strong commitment that NIH has made to really eliminating those systems and processes that contribute to structural racism, right? So they're targeted on that. And that absolutely permeates through any efforts within the NIH to develop any and all efforts to develop a more diverse workforce. So hearing that um, was just a great way to, to start. Then uh, George Mensa provided us really with that, that perspective from an institute or center and um, reminded us, much like we've heard from some of our other uh, presenters during this, this uh, workshop series, that it's really important to start early. In fact, you can't start early enough. And, and he highlighted the opportunities and funding mechanisms that exist to train even high schoolers, right? Really focusing on bringing 
generations along in in promoting diversity in in our scientific workforce. And you know, related to that, although we are very much focused in the collaboratory on growing that diverse workforce of of uh, people who do pragmatic clinical trials, really the challenge is to build build the entire workforce and in so doing increase the number of of, uh, scientists who are also doing pragmatic clinical trials. Then finally, we heard from Natalia Marone, who as a collaboratory PI um, has, of course, direct experience uh, doing pragmatic clinical trials. And she also has led um, some programs specific Uh, specifically focused on developing a more diverse workforce, the SEED program that she described, where, you know, she really highlighted kind of the -the on-the-ground learnings, including, you know, just reminding us how important representation is and creating a tailored safe space for um, underrepresented uh, minority scientists to share their experiences and learn from each other. What I think impressed so many of us on on that webinar were, was the, the metrics, the data that she shared about their evaluation of that program and how participants in the SEED program, you know, they were, they were publishing more in peer-reviewed journals. They had the metrics of success and the differences between those who had participated and those who had not was real. So it was just really terrific to hear um, from these three perspectives at different places in the ecosystem. Thank you, Leslie. That's a wonderful summary from all of you about the talks we heard this summer. Um, I think in summarizing uh, some of the key lessons we heard, including trust is important, and we build that by talking to stakeholders, which are communities and the patients that are going to be engaged, as well as people within the healthcare systems and the researchers that you're working with. Uh, It's important to uh, grow the pie. We need to increase the the people that are available to do this research. We need to start early with both training as well as engaging with with people uh, that that this is the population they're studying. And I think the other thing to keep in mind that I think a number of us have been hearing in in talks with this webinar and, and others that we've heard is it's important that If we don't address this and make sure that we address issues of diversity uh, that that was outlined very well and that that Kanisha mentioned that we're not doing very well, that the gap that we have in healthcare that we're seeing at this time, we're going to only worsen if we don't really take this on uh, as researchers and close the gap with our research and make sure that we're being uh, inclusive. the, the work that's been done and that we talked about is going to be highlighted uh, in future Grand Round series. There's much work to be done in this area, and this is, this is uh, the next step, and so we hope that you will continue participating in these um, Grand Round series. Please join us for our next podcast as we continue to highlight the fascinating and informative changes in research world. Thanks for joining today's NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. Let us know what you think by rating this interview on our website, and we hope to see you again on our next Grand Rounds, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.